Hey everybody, George Robson here, Worship Arts Pastor at Ocean Grove Online Church. Welcome to another one of our podcasts. I want to encourage you to stay with us for this week's scripture reading and message. If you would take your Bible, if you have it, or if there's one in the pews in front of you, and turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible and don't have a pew Bible, you can use your phone if you're online. And if you're here and don't want to do any of that, it'll be on the screen behind me or on the wall behind me. If you're in the pew Bible, it's page 100 or 1,273. Got it? The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one, of, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. This is the, the, wor the word of God for the people of God. If you turn in, do you have bulletins? Does everybody have a bulletin at this point? No? Yes? Good? If you do, turn to page four. Um, this is the beginning of a new sermon series, and these are some discussion questions, some going deeper stuff for you, and action steps. The, re the reason I wanted, especially this week, I wanted to bring it to your attention, because I know that some of you out there like extra credit, right? Do you like extra credit? Everybody likes extra credit. There's even extra credit in here this week for you. Um, there's two, two pieces of extra credit. First, there's like three typos in here if you can find them. If you get it, email me where they are and I'll give you extra credit. I'll send it up to God in prayer. And then the other is that there's extra credit here um, that hopefully will challenge you in a couple of different ways. The extra credit primarily focuses on how, as Christians who have grown up in the church or who have lived in the church long enough, we have a tendency to do something called Christianese. Have you ever heard of that word before? Okay. It's kind of like when we say words like sin that kind of makes sense to us in church, but for people outside the church or people who haven't grown up 
reading the Bible, they might not know what that was or is. And there's a bunch of words down there that I ask you to think through, and how would you describe that to someone maybe in fifth grade? So if you like extra credit, it's there for you. I had a really cheesy joke to start with so that you could all like remember that, not the sermon because it was so bad. But last night I had a, a, the, the whole, I worked all week at, at the scripture and the sermon and last night changed everything when it comes to the joke I was going to tell you. So I have a, a motivation room. I don't know if I told you about it. Um, we, uh, when COVID hit, we would go to the gym and try and work out. Well, we try to get to the gym and then try and work out. And it usually was a New Year's resolution that lasted a few weeks. And then we would just pay for the gym membership. But long story short, um, we have a room. We turned the room during COVID because the gym was closed into uh, one of our rooms into a workout room. And I call it the, the motivation room. Um, so I go in there once or twice a year. And to, <laughs> but I have, uh, I have motivating posters that I had made from special things and people um, in sports um, in that room on the wall. And this morning I figured I would bring to you two of my motivation posters. One um, was this. This is a... 1980s World Series ring from the Philadelphia Phillies. And I can tell by your response that none of you are sports fans, so this is not going to have anything meaningful for you. Um, but the Phillies won yesterday. Um, one, <laughs> should I say this? Sure, I'm going to say it. You can email me later. One of my joys yesterday when the Phillies won was that the Mets didn't win anything. <laughs> so anyway, sorry, sorry, Mets fans, I love you, but you didn't win the division and you didn't win anything in the playoffs and the Phillies did. So anyway, uh, <laughs> it was a great day for sports yesterday. So my number, one fan, my number one baseball team is the Philadelphia Phillies. I love them. And they're going to the uh, National League Championship because they beat the Braves in four games. Um, yeah, you can woohoo that. I, I'm, I'm with you. The, the second thing, why was yesterday the most perfect day in sports probably ever is because the second game of the day was the Padres and the Dodgers in game four. And... Um, I also, my number two team in baseball is the Padres. How can it not be, right? As a pastor, don't, that, don't I have to be a Padres fan? Um, this, this is Fernando Tatis Jr. And he, um, he, his reputation has been tarnished a little bit. He's on suspension. But this was before that. And the reason it's in my motivation room, really, is because I love the Padres. I think he's an excellent baseball player. But this picture in particular is, reminds me that everything I can do in life I need to give thanks for God. Thanks to God for it. So, I don't know if you can see it. so, um, so it was a great day in sports. So I figured I'd just brag a little bit about that and offend all my New York Mets fan 
um, instead of telling you a really bad joke. The re- the, this week we're starting a new sermon series, and the reason that yesterday was so great and it kind of made it a little bit more special this morning for me is because the sermon series that we're starting is a three-week sermon series called Winning It All. And as we get closer to the World Series, um, one of the things that as Christians we wrestle with is this idea that we're living in the season, getting to the end of the season, when we already know we want it all, right? Jesus Christ won everything for us and gives us that gift. It's, you, Christianity is unique in the sense that we're the only religion, world religion, that is not based on our works, but based on the grace of God and the gift that he gave us through Jesus Christ. It's not we have to work, 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 and, and try, 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 and, and maybe, maybe if we do enough, we'll get to a good place after life uh, or even in life. We, and it's just work, grind, 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 work, work, work. And it's, it's we're not working for the gift. We don't have to make the gift. It's God just gives us the gift. It's already there for us. It's more like, do you, do you, are you willing to take it? Do you want to take it and open it? Do you want, do you, do you want it? Winning It All is a stewardship series, uh, stewardship series about how God has given us talents, gifts, skills. They've been developed in you genetically, they've been developed in you professionally and scholastically and and just through the grit of life. God has given us time, which we'll talk about next week. And then God has given us treasures. He's given us those, those, those treasures in life to store, to be good stewards with, to care for, but it's all a gift. And the reason this sermon series is called Winning It All is because I want you to kind of imagine, you know, even the Mets fans can come with me on this journey. So take your favorite team in whatever sport you want to pick and think about the ultimate win. So for me, it would be the World Series of Baseball and the Philadelphia Phillies. And their superstar is Bryce Harper. And the question is, if Bryce Harper knew at the beginning of the year, preseason, that he was going to win the World Series, no matter what he did, whether he trained hard or trained not at all, whether he put the uniform on or didn't ever even put the uniform on, he was going to win the World Series at the end. What would he do differently? 
What would change about his routine, his practice, his, his play? What would be different if he knew at the beginning of this season, without a shadow of doubt, 100% that at the end of the season, he was winning the World Series? I want to ask that to you. If you know that Jesus Christ provided the ultimate victory for you, sins forgiven, perfect righteousness, eternity in paradise. If you knew for certain that that was the end, how would you live your life differently? What would be different about the way you practiced or the way you engaged with the people around you? Interesting question, isn't it? Don't you think? Maybe not. It sounded good in my head. I would suggest to you that Bryce Harper, his, his workout regimen, wouldn't change at all. In fact, he might amp it up a little bit because he's so excited about the end result. I would suggest to you also that the thing that would change in him is that he wouldn't have any worry at all. He would be living his life, his season, his career, his profession out of pure joy because he knew what was coming at the end. He would work hard, but it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be such a struggle. It would be out of joy. So um, I, have, I have my oldest son, he's 19, and he, he's in a program, he's in a college program that ends up with a bachelor's degree, but they, it's, a, it's a professional two kind of program. So he starts off with, uh, in a professional certificate program that ends up moving towards two years of that and then two years more and he gets a bachelor's. But it's, so it's, it's one progression, but it's two separate programs. Do you know what I'm talking about? So, um, so he graduated about 10 days ago with a certificate. And then he has to go on and do the next two years to, for his bachelor's. And I went last Sunday after church. We had worship and I was, I was uh, I, you know, when we come in on Sunday, and we worship and leave, we all have this like glow to us, right? A Shekinah glory. And in here, we're, we just, we experience the awesomeness of God and we focus our energy on God and, and worship. And then that carries through the rest of the week, right? So Sunday night, everything's good. You're just flowing with love and grace to everyone around you. 
And then Monday, Monday you go to work or you hit, you hit the golf course or you're, you're, you're you know, doing whatever you do on Monday and, and, and you're just, so, everybody around you, they're like, wow, what a loving guy, what a loving person. I see the light of Christ in him. And then Tuesday comes, and no matter what's happening around, you're not yelling at anybody, driving wrong. You're, you're happy in the shop, shop right when the lines, or Wegmans, when the lines like forever, because you have an opportunity to evangelize and share the love of God with everyone around you. And then Wednesday, Thursday, that, by, by Friday, maybe the glow, the, the wonderful glow of Sunday morning starts to wear off a little bit, just a little. And then Saturday comes and you're looking forward to Sunday morning and you're getting excited. And, and just by Saturday night, man, just the glow just starts to fade. And then maybe after a perfect week of living a Jesus-like life, knowing the joy and love of God. Maybe Saturday night you might just say something a little off color to your spouse, child, neighbor, you know. But, but, but you know, Sunday morning's coming, so, right? Isn't that how it goes? So Sunday, we, I was in church, and I picked my son up in Manhattan, and there wasn't much to his dorm room because he lives in, it's Manhattan, right? And he's a, he's a student. So he actually lives in a room where he has to stand up and sleep. Like there's no, you can't lay down, it's too small. So there wasn't much to pack up in the car. That was a joke, but, but there wasn't much to pack up in the car. And we came back home and we're getting in, you know, the, in the area around six, six seven, something and we decided to stop for dinner. So we, uh, we stopped and ordered dinner. And you know, that Christian glow that goes with us all week long and helps us stay pure and perfect so we never say anything wrong or do anything bad. Um, before dinner even got to us, I was unloading parental wisdom onto my graduate about how he's not doing the next step fast enough and how he needs to focus up and how he needs to... And, and, and as, as I'm talking with him, it's not talking, you know. If you've had children... There's talking, and then there's lecturing that ends up yelling, or loud lecturing. We won't say yelling. That's a bad word. That's a sin, as long as it stays to a loud, you know. So, so here we are, and I'm just unloading on them. Sunday evening. And, and I mean, come on, come on, if you had me, if you had me as a dad, I have over 50, 74 years of experience of life or something. And that was a joke too. And, um, and 
I have lots of experience in life. So I, can, I, can, I, I'm, I should be, as a parent, imparting that to my children. He's got a certificate. I have three degrees from accredited institutions. I know. And one of them happens to be a seminary where I've learned all the good verses in the Bible that I can quote back at him to tell him how he should be and what God wants out of him and, and how precious he is and what his God has so much for him and why isn't he jumping at the opportunity and living it out with joy and, and winning it all. And then to boot the icing on the cake... I'm a pastor. I know everything. I'm perfect. You can't shame me. Right? Some of you have known too many pastors to know that's true. That's a joke too. But, but it's intimidating to a child, even a grown child who's 19, And I didn't even make them. My Shekinah glory just faded in the New York City traffic that afternoon. How's yours do throughout the week? And then, then you know, and, and then came my apology because I, I recognized that I was doing, I wasn't, I wasn't being the perfect father. But at that point, the, the tone and the level of the conversation was up here, you know. So, so I, I stepped back a little bit and, and told him, you, you know, I, this is a parent. I, I'm gr trying to grow as a parent. I've never done this before. I don't know what, I, 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 I want so much for you. I, I'm, I'm just so sorry. I'm sorry that like I'm, I'm jumping on you. I know it, but, but I'm, I'm, I'm not a perfect parent I, and I'm trying to grow and learn through this. Have you ever been there? Why can't we, why can't we just, just kind of, we know the victory's won. He's my kid. We had him baptized. He grew up in the church. He's got a great foundation. He's doing so many things right. I see God working in his future. And let me tell you, I love my children so much. They, they, when, when Shannon was saying, what are you thankful for? You know, I, I sit there and I say, I'm thankful for my parents. Because I put them through so much. My kids are a cakewalk compared to what I did when I was a kid. And I don't know how my, if, if my mother and father acted like me as a parent with the stuff that I was doing, oh, they were so gracious and so loving and so patient. I don't know how they did it. If they're ever around, you can ask them. I, I, don't, I don't know. But that, why, just, why, can't, why can't I be in that place where I know the victory is won 
And I can't just step back and, and watch my son and kind of guide him with loving, gracious tones and, and all that stuff and get him and, and just celebrate the joy that I know that no matter what he does in life and no matter where he goes, he's been dedicated to God. He's been prayed for. He's got the scriptures. He knows what's going on and the victory's already won. Why, why do I have such trouble with that? Maybe it's because I don't, I don't necessarily know if I trust God with him or with the situation. I don't know. You can give me parenting advice later after service. Um, but in a moment of self-reflection, when you leave here and go through your week. Where are those moments in your life where you're not experiencing the joy, even in the struggles, knowing the victory is already won? And I'm not, I, I just shared with you, like as a parent, and it was Sunday afternoon, like it wasn't even like Wednesday. As a parent and as a Christian, and I think you could even say as a person and as a Christian, it's not always that easy. For Bryce Harper on the Philadelphia Phillies, he still has to play 162 games before the playoffs. And not all of them are going to be wins. Some of them are going to be hard. He could even get injured. But he knows the victory is already won. So he can do it with joy. It's tough. Life is tough. And Peter knew that. So if you, um, John, are you up there? If you can bring up that first verse, verse seven. Look at, look at, Pete, Pete, now this is Peter, right? So Peter, Pete, <laughs> Peter's one of my favorites. He should be yours too. Peter's the only guy that, that Jesus ever called Satan. Do you, you, right? He, he, Jesus is like, here's the keys to the kingdom, Peter. You're, we're going to build the rock. Of the, you're the rock that the church is going to be built on. You're like the cornerstone. You're like my number one disciple. And Peter's like, that sounds great, Jesus. We're never letting you go to Jerusalem to die because I love you so much. And Jesus is like, get behind me, Satan. Peter, Peter, Peter is the guy. So, so that's part of his experience, right? Peter's the guy that the storms come, the, the storms going. Jesus is like up on a hill praying after they fed a bunch of people. And, and Jesus, Jesus says, go to the other side. And they get in the boat and they're rowing and they're rowing and they're rowing. And the storm's blowing against the boat, right? And, and Jesus is, walks out on the water. He says, I'll meet you on the other side. Then after he gets done praying, he walks across the water. And Peter sees him at a distance. And they're all like kind of freaking out. They think it's a ghost. But there's this huge storm going on. And Peter gets out of the boat 
and he walks. Now you got, you had, you had 12 guys on this boat. They're all following Jesus. They've all given everything to follow Jesus. But Peter's the one who gets out of the boat and starts walking across the water. He's also the guy, after he denied Jesus three times, jumps out of a boat naked and swims to shore because he sees Jesus off in the distance. He had such a passion for Jesus, but he was so real. He was as real as you and me sitting here, standing here today. He struggled. He tried to figure it out. He wanted to do what's right. And he writes this. This is so I gave you his background because I want you to see, I want you to feel it. The end, he starts this passage with this sentence, and it's out of context. It seems like it's out of context. He says, the end of all things is near. Theologians talk about what that means. Some, some say that, that the disciples believed that Jesus was going to come back for the second time and, and finish, finish everything before they were even gone, before they even died. There's evidence in the New Testament, Paul's writings, all this stuff. Some of them think that he's talking like it's, it's prophetic. Some of them think that like rapture, like end days kind of thing. Some of them think that, um, that it's, a, it's a spiritual thing that happened because the, the end of things was Jesus, the fulfillment of time, Jesus coming. There's all this stuff. But one, you can Google all that. One of the things that some of the theologians suggest that I want to offer you this morning that I think is what Peter's talking about here is the end of all things is near for you and for me because we die. And what's a hundred years when you start talking about eternity. So when Peter says the end of, of all things is near, it's very easy for you and me when we think of a timeline of eternity to figure out 70, 80, 100 years and, and, and know that it's not a long time, it's near. There's a sense of urgency that Peter has here. And he says, therefore, be alert and of sober mind. And then he goes on and talks about two things for Christians. He talks about identity and he talks about practice. He talks about our identity as Christians. Who are we? What, what do we do as people of Christ? And then how do we practice it in the world? How should we manifest it to the world? As Christians with talents, do we have volunteers? Who volunteers? Who volunteers at church? You, praise God for you. Thank you. You, you. you are doing God's work here in life. And, and Peter addresses that very specifically, and we'll get into that in a second, but I just want you to pick up on a couple of things that he's talking about when it comes to identity. As an identity 
for a Christian. He says, the first thing is that you have to pray. Pray meaning you're in a conversation with God all the time. So that you may pray. So it doesn't count if you're drunk. And you should be alert. We pray, and number two is in the next verse, verse eight. Above all, love, 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 love. And he doesn't, he doesn't just say love, right? He says love deeply. Love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sin. Our identity, your, if you're here this morning and, and you have received Jesus Christ as your Savior, your identity is one of conversation with God by prayer and two, loving each other deeply. That's it. That's our identity. So how do we practice it? How do we practice it? We go into verse 9, and 9, 10, and 11 are great verses for us because Peter is really a, a down-to-earth person. He's experienced all those swings in life and good ideas and bad ideas. And, and he says that we should offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Again, you know, do you really need the Peter? Come on. Come on, Peter. If we're Christians and we get it, that our identity, our identity is love. It's love. You just said it the verse before. Why, why, do, why do you need to? Come on, Peter. We, just tell us to offer hospitality to one another. Did you ever have somebody over to your house Because you had to. And it wasn't joyful. Thanksgiving's coming up. You don't, I, I know, you, we're, we're in Ocean Grove. None of you have difficult family members. You just pray the difficulty right out of them. Peter's real. He says, do it without grumbling. Offer hospitality. And in a way, with him putting that there, he's kind of like, he's like, offer hospitality. And you know what? I get it. I get it. But as Christians, we're practicing our faith. We're striving for perfection. We want to love like Jesus. So try not to grumble because those people that, that are difficult in your life, do you have, do you have, a diff, do you have difficult people in your life? Do, do, do. If, if you don't, you, you're the difficult person. So, so, so we'll pray for you too. But Peter's kind of like, I get it. I was, I, I was kind of, 
I was kind of jerky to, to Jesus a little bit. He's Jesus. Like, I get it. People are difficult. Do it without grumbling. Just shut your mouth. Pray. Pray for you. Pray that God brings the joy into your heart. And, and pray for those people who you're offering hospitality to. You know? Then he goes on to say in the, in the next section, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve one another as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So are you a happy, smiley person who loves people? Are you? Some of you are. You should be a greeter. Sign up to be a greeter. Sign up to lead a small group. We'll train you. But if you love people, if, if you love being around people, like I, I was, I, I said this to Denise last night. I'm watching, I'm watching the Phillies play and I'm sitting there and the, the stadium's electric. Like there's so many people and they got the red rally towels going and everybody's standing up the whole time. Have you been to a concert like where the, it's just electric? There's so many people or a worship service. Oh, And, and I'm sitting on my couch watching, and I'm like, oh, I wish I was there. And I'm like, no, I don't want to be there. Too many people. Maybe you don't. Okay, so some of you, some of you like to smile, and you like people. Maybe, maybe you don't like people, and you don't like to smile. You can be an usher. <laughs> you know? I would make a great usher. Um, I love, I, if, if I were, if I were, I love technology stuff. I'd be up there playing with buttons and lights and machines and, and not around any of you if I had my choice. There's always something for you. If you're a Christian, it's, it's not, it's not, Hey, maybe God gave you a gift. It's each of you, as a Christian, you have gifts. What Use it. Use whatever gift you have to, and, and receive, that you've received to serve others. Greeters are wonderful. If you think about, if you think about somebody who's changed your life, it's probably some smiley, happy all the time, just overflowing with like trying to hug you and everything. And, and it's not me. So, um, but, but everybody has a gift. Amen. And Peter recognizes that. And he says, use them. Use them in all the various forms, whether you're an usher or, or a greeter or a... If you, do you love teenagers? I loved teenagers until I had teenagers. And then I didn't want to have anything to do with teenagers. And so, you know, there's different seasons of life. If you don't have teenagers, serve in anchored students. They're wonderful. Teenagers are great. They're the salt of the earth. And if you have teenagers and you know that I just told a big lie, serve in anchored kids because little kids are wonderful. And, and it's, it's all good, drool and all that stuff. So, but there's always a place to serve. 
And God has given you a gift. And Peter is saying, use it because you'll see blessing through it. You'll see the joy of it. Bryce Harper training and playing 162 games only to get to the end when he knows he already won. We know we've won. We're doing it for the joy of it. So then Peter goes on in, in, in verse 11. He really, he, he like the rubber hits the road, right? He says, he says, you know, I know some of you, some of you have been trained and some of you have skills that you've learned at work and in community. You've learned different things, doing different things. And God has gifted you genetically. So like some, some of us have like a resting blessed face. Have you ever seen somebody who just looks happy all the time? And some of us don't. So there's genetics and there's nurture involved. So, but there's also a cutting edge because all of us, not only do we have skills, but God might be calling us to something. God might be calling you to get out of your frowny face shell and smile and greet people coming in. And it might not be easy at first, but if God is calling you to it, you'll find blessing and joy in it. And I'm just picking on, I'm a frowny face. So um, they, so he says, if anyone speaks, rubber hitting the road, right? If, you, if you're in community, if you're in work, if you're anywhere, right? If anyone speaks, if you, as a Christian, if you speak, then you should do one who speaks the very words of God. And then the second, he goes on, if anyone serves, they should do. And, and again, Peter's being real. He's like, he's like, he gets it. Service is hard compared to talk. So if you want to talk, the words of God are coming out of your mouth. If you're serving, it's hard. So do so with the strength that God provides you. With the strength that God provides you. He will provide you whatever it is you need to serve. So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. Amen? This morning as, as I close... Um, I want to offer you an opportunity to receive Jesus into your life or to reconnect with the joy that you had that you had at one time being in relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Because the gift is is brought to you. It's before you. It's not something that you've earned. It's something that God has, has just given to you through his son, through his sacrifice. And all you have to do is receive it. That's it. Take Christ into your heart. And then the victory is won. And a lot of us here this morning, maybe you had a week like me last week or a Sunday like I did last Sunday where it just wasn't perfect and the joy, you, you just, it, was, it was a loss. 
and you're struggling to find the joy? The joy of knowing that the victory is won? And as we close, I'm just going to invite you into a time of prayer where, uh, where you can receive Christ for the first time and enter into that victory with so many of us. Or you can ask God to help you remember that joy, knowing that your end result, your victory is already won. So let's pray. God, we come to you and we thank you for all the gifts that you've blessed us with. We thank you for the opportunities of service, not only here, but in our community and around. God, we, we know that the victory is won and we thank you for that. We praise, we're here worshiping you this morning because of that. And we thank you for all those victories in life and, and we pray that God, um, all those small victories in life, we pray that you just bless us in those times of struggle and challenge so that we, we have that joy of knowing. We have our eyes firmly fixed on you so we can have that joy knowing that the victory is already won. So God, we come this morning and, and for any of us who, who, who need that, God, just please provide it and bless us. And if there are any here this morning who, who have, haven't accepted Jesus into their life, haven't, haven't lived into that victory, but are willing to take you as their Lord and Savior, Jesus, and, and receive that victory, that gift, that perfect gift. We pray together that that their lives, God, are not their own anymore, that they're giving their lives to you. That we together as the church recognize that we are sinners in need of grace that you have provided through Jesus Christ. That our lives are not our own, but they are yours. And today we celebrate and find the joy of knowing that, that you have already won the victory for us. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. We really appreciate you staying with us this time around. Remember, you can always search out other podcasts from OGC by looking up Ocean Grove Church or type in oceangrovechurch.com slash podcast question mark format equals RSS in your player of choice. And if you'd like other ways to stay up to date on all things Ocean Grove Church, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as Ocean Grove Church, on Twitter as OG Church, and don't forget our website, OceanGroveChurch.com. And you can contact us via email at OceanGroveChurch at gmail.com. Until next time, we bid you peace.